Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 15 of Flow Wrestling Host 50 Miles. Joined, as always, by the from Wisconsin outside of the. Oh, man. Oh, boy. No, man. Yeah, we're, so we're having issues. <laughs> we wanted Christian Piles on live from M2. Uh, he decided to go a little Kyle Dake and uh, do it out in nature. I don't know if that was the best choice. So on our end, Christian is currently frozen. I believe he's still talking. He cannot hear us right now because of the internet situation. But this is episode 516 of FRL. I'm joined by Ben Askren and JD Raider. Uh, ben, is your internet fine in uh, Manitoba County? Oh, oh, you're you're going on the Manitowoc County thing now. Um, but I am not. In, I am not in Manitowoc County. Not that I have anything against people that live in Manitowoc County. Um, but my internet's great. I'm fantastic. I'm, I had outstanding morning yesterday. I grinded 150 stumps. Me and uh, Jake Roush, he go to we went on a mission. That's it. Just That's it. <laughs> well, a lot of them were really easy because you know we all, I have a lot of buckthorn on my property, so it's like say this big, right? It's not so you just got to stump. Go down. Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's not much of a stump except it will take out your mower blade, which has happened multiple yeah. times now. Gotta have so, a shit. I'm trying, trying to trying to save the mower blades. Christian's trying to come back, but he's not really back. Someone tell him. There we go. Uh. CP, you back? Oh, oh. I'm trying to be back. Am I not back? Oh, you're back. You're back. Do it. Okay. Okay. So there's plenty of stumps to grind out here, Ben, if you want to come to the M2 training center. That's what, is, I, what, is, I, what I would David pay me, you think? Think he'd pay me as like a groundskeeper or something? I think so. I think so. Maybe, maybe he technique. Oh, Christian's done. <laughs> cut, cut the feed. Uh, we might have to cut you, Christian. All right. We tried yesterday at work. They have good internet in New Jersey. They don't have good internet in Pennsylvania, apparently, or at least. Hey, you know what? CP always makes fun of me for my phone. Maybe it was CP's iPhone. We're gonna blame. I'm gonna blame the iPhone here, and uh, 
that's that's the problem. They so, have good enough internet to uh, upload some good content, though. Some good stuff going on. Yeah, up they on were the in Jersey site. when they uploaded that content. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to go to State College, Pennsylvania, you will have uh, great wrestling coaching, but you will have terrible internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben, so did you get a chance to watch the uh, Dake Chimizo sparring session yesterday? Our man JD uh, pulled a little clip oh, from him. He was wrestling no. Evan Wick. I bet it was fantastic, though. Yeah, tremendous. So see if we can get that that one pulled up. Um, it was it's very interesting because, uh, you know, Wick obviously phenomenal wrestler, but style wise and body wise, I don't know if he's the best simulation for yeah. for Dake, right? Yeah, because um, Evan, you know, Evan shoots a lot. He's obviously tall, lanky. Dake, not nearly. Dake's like what five, five nine, five ten. I feel like he's shorter than me. Um, yeah. Weird. So there's a uh, how long is that clip JD on the site that CP uploaded yesterday? Twenty plus minutes. So we got 20, 20 minutes of Chimizo sparring with Wick. Um, again, I don't know about the the simulation there, but you know Ben, obviously you've been through MMA camps. If you can't necessarily simulate the guy, and you're trying to get you know high level people out there to compete with you, what are you trying to yeah. do when you're trying to to prepare for a high level match like this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say there. Who would replicate Kyle Dake? I was just trying to think kind of in my head, like who would I get to replicate Kyle Dake? Because that's I don't want to say unreplicatable, but he he is fairly unique. Which you know, Dake has the same problem because Chimizo is very unique, right? There's not someone who can replicate his style. I know uh, when I had to wrestle Jordan Burroughs last year, I tried bringing in Makai Lewis, but he he couldn't do it, and I tried bring in uh, as Valencia, and he would he wasn't able to come. Um, you know, I want to get the feel of, of someone firing off hard doubles because the and not that those guys can replicate Jordan, but they can at least you know shoot some pretty hard doubles. Right. Well, There's difference between replicating and just like approximating. Exactly. I mean, you got to do the best you can. Like, who's going to replicate Kyle Dake and who's going to replicate Frank Chimizo? And the truth of that matter is, both of them are not replicated, right? So you have someone as close as possible. So maybe Frank Chimizo saying, "Listen, I I just got to get in good shape." Evan Wick wrestles a really hard pace that will definitely help get in shape. That's for sure. Um, and, and obviously, this is only one week. Who knows who else he's brought in for the camp? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were just there for one day. The event's not till the 25th, so you mean you got, what, over three weeks still of training yep. to go. I'm sure he's going to try to bring in other guys. I know me and JD were talking about this yesterday, and you had you had um, an idea of who you could use to simulate Dake. Jaden? Oh. If, like, you have Cox. to pick – Yeah, if you have to pick somebody just freak defense-wise, can do alien stuff, really good from one leg. Hmm. You know, but, but – I don't, I don't feel like Jaden does a lot of upper body stuff. I mean, that's where – Right, Kyle Dake really excels, and so I was thinking of someone who has the the you know dynamic defense and upper body stuff, and that's why I was. I also don't think Chimizo really cares too much. Um, I think he like wrestles his style no matter what. He that's uh, true, yeah. there's there's a little clip. CP did an interview. Um, Tyler, if you can pull it up, it's in there. Um, he said he doesn't uh, even watch any video, and actually kind of laughed uh, yes. <laughs> at the thought of it. And said one of the reasons <laughs> he, he liked uh, Italy so much. Say, can, can you please say this in the Frank Chimizo voice? Oh, bro. <laughs> Did, we have the clip here. Yeah, actually. let's just play the clip because yeah, this is going to be a meme. Go ahead and run uh -huh. this real quick, Tyler. Do you watch a lot of film? Do you watch a lot of wrestling outside of your own matches? 
Nah, bro. Nah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> why? Why? Nah, I don't bro. see why you couldn't replicate that. That's the next. But that's the next big meme, Ben. Anytime we disagree with somebody, now it's just we're just gonna hit them with the nah, bro. Yeah, that was that's funny. Um, you know, I was never a big I was never a big tape watcher of my opponents. I when I was coming up in wrestling, I always loved watching tape of whoever I thought was great at wrestling. You know, I would watch John Smith or Kale or Dave Schultz or Satya. You know, kind of whatever I could get my hands on because I, I wanted to see what they were doing. Um, and so I was never a big fan of watching my opponents. And even even for the Olympics, I, I had a few people scout my opponents and kind of give me just, just the notes. I didn't really want to watch all all that much. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, in my opinion, someone has to be watching film, whether it's the athlete, whether it's a coach or someone. So they are just cognizant of what the other person does. And Valentin is watching video for Chimiso, I know. He, right. He said something along the lines of Valentin said – watched Dake's so-and-so matches and said this or told me to do this, but Chimizo, right. yeah. no. <laughs> but I, I would say by the time, you know, I, I don't even I don't even wrestle anymore. Um, and I, I watch a good amount, but like say Dake, Dake and, and uh, Chimizo, both, they're both going to the world championships and whether they like it or not, the, that other person is there. So they should at least have a good idea of, what their style looks like. Like I would know that Kyle Dake is strong. He's not a high volume shooter. He likes to dig an underhook. Um, he's got really strong defense. You know, I, he's got a good chest wrap. Like I would know without watching any film, and I haven't watched any film for his Chimizo match. I would know those things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also a little different when you're preparing for the World Championships, where you yeah. could have any number of opponents versus one. Versus right, exactly. Versus one, a, a one off. No. Uh, MMA type card. No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying for this, for this July 25th card, they probably already have a good idea of what each other does. Even if they've never explicitly studied for each other, just having each other be around, right? I'm sure they've observed uh, casually, and, and you know, guys who are that good at wrestling, when they observe casually, they, they, they kind of get it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, the last thing from that perspective, if someone else is watching the film for you, say you have a coach. How how do you intake that information? Do you want them to kind of right before the match give you a few things in the training camp, or just filter it out? And you don't even realize they're talking about your opponent. They're just saying, "Hey, let's let's work on this. Let's let's be cognizant of that." Um. Well, ho- hopefully my coach know. Hopefully my coach knows me, right? Well, they would, and they know what I do well and what I do poorly. And then on top of that, they know things that may or may not give me problems. Right, you know, I talk about like Quentin Wright. Did I watch film for Quentin Wright? No, but did I know he's gonna try to unhook me? Yup, I knew that. Cause why? Cause why? I just been, I just been, I've been around. So why do I, I? Hey, listen. All I know is I need to shut down the underhook. That that's literally the only thing. I didn't watch any film. I just know. Listen, in my head, I already know. I gotta shut down your underhook. That's it. But what if you get got there? What what if, what if there's a secondary thing that people don't often get to right. because the guy's so dominant his first move, but they get to it the second. Well, they didn't watch any film. Man. You don't know. No, no, but I was gonna. I was good enough to know that. Listen, I know that. Okay, listen. I'm, I may say I'm semi arrogant, but obviously I won the match, so it's 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 fair fair enough. Um, oh man, I forgot to turn my light on. I'm gonna go turn my light on today. I, I just realized I look dark. I, I sometimes I look at myself. Um, 
Well, I, I, I knew that was – so for me, right, that one match, I knew he was so strong in that one position that he was heavily reliant on that one position. I, and I knew I could likely shut it down. And I knew if I was able to force him to wrestle other positions, I was going to win those other positions, mm-hmm. right? I, I knew he was a pretty good scrambler but but not quite as good. So I was going to win the majority of the exchanges there. I knew Parterre, um, I would have a good chance to turn him on top and on bottom. It was unlikely that he was going to turn me, you know? And so it's like, well, I, I kind of knew those things about that without really watching any film. And that's kind of why I would say Chimizo and Dake, they probably, like, man, maybe, maybe Chimizo is a space cadet, but I would have to assume that he knows Kyle Dake likes underhooks and has a good chest wrap. Well, also, I, well, yeah, that for Wait. sure. Oh, um, no, no, wait, can we do like a six-second break so I can turn my light on? <laughs> yes. Go, okay, go ahead sorry. and get your light turned on. So, J.D., we we talked about this last week. But you obviously weren't on the show. Who do you think this favors in terms – like, first time you wrestle certain guys, like DeSanto is one that comes to mind. People often say, you can't simulate this guy. You just have to feel it and kind of know what what's coming. Where do you lean in terms of first time putting your hands on this guy, it favors Dake or it favors Chimizo for this favors particular Chimizo. matchup? Chimizo. Why is that? Because well, they're both freaks, but right. it's much harder, in my opinion, to emulate or stylistically match what Chimizo does in terms of hit pressure, uh, mm-hmm. crazy defense switches, whatever your stuff like that. Like I think you're just better off getting a feel for that and then coming back and resting a second time. See, I'm I'm a little the I know what you're saying. I'm a little the other way because of the the power of Dake. Um, our man Chris Walker and I but shot like, this video. Power and, is something. Like, how do you come back and like better combat that? Like, oh, you can combat, combat that. Like you're with some guys. I, I <laughs> I've been calling this in practice. I don't know why I said, it, but the kids at my camera, they got the juice. When they got the juice, you're like, oh god, I I didn't feel that one coming. Um, like I know one guy. I wrestled. He actually eventually bronze medaled at Worlds. His name was – he was an Indian guy. He was really short and stocky. What was that guy's name? I think he got popped for steroids, so it's probably Yadav? no wonder he had the beard. Yadav, yes, Yadav. I wrestled him in 2010 at the um, Hargobin in, in Vancouver. And obviously, like, I'm very comfortable in some positions. And in, in that, you know, that was three-period system. At first, he, I let him get a few positions – where I normally would win said positions, right? And he was like, poof, when he just picked me up. And I'm like, oh, damn, this guy's got some juice. I better not let him get there anymore, you know? And so then second period, I was uh, a very a lot more uh, cautious of where I was going to let him get to because I, I felt how much power he had. I mean, the guy was unbelievably strong. Uh, the only the only guy with up and down power, like the ability to like, draw a lift to lift me like that, that I've ever felt besides him was Isaiah Martinez. Um, mm. So, I mean, he was like on a, a very unique level. Um, yeah, so the second period, I, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I have to be cautious. I can't let him get underneath me because this dude will snatch me up like no one I've ever wrestled pretty much. Um, and I did, and then, you know, I ended up gassing him out, and I won the se- second and third periods after losing the first period because I let him get the positions. I wasn't ready for his power. I really wasn't. Well, and that's well, that's the other thing with power, and I don't really think this applies to Dake, but you know, when you have that much power in your muscles, you often get tired easier and quicker. Yeah, and so, true. having to, to to JD's point, like knowing how to defend to kind of weather that storm, um, mm-hmm. I think. But I I don't really 
I don't really think Dake gets tired. I know he looks tired all the time matches, especially when he comes over. Like, basically every match when he comes over in between periods, he looks physically exhausted. Like, just... I, I think uh, he is. But I don't... You think he is? I think he is. I, I think, I, I think he, uh, I think he... Well, okay, listen, guys. There's... there's think, Okay, think about this. Let's just rewind. Think about someone you know and the first time they ever get exhausted. How do they deal with that? They they freaking panic. They act like they're going to die. They, they, they crumble, right? And that's why, like, uh, when I'm coaching wrestling and I see a kid get tired for the first time, like really tired, they don't know how to handle it. It is not a good reaction for them. And so it's like an acquired taste. Jake is the ultimate competitor. He gets tired. And you know the other guy who was really good at this, who would get so exhausted but would still wrestle, is Nick Marable. Nick Marable mm-hmm. would get so tired he was going to fall over, and then, boom, he would explode again. Um, and they were just really tough and really good at wrestling when they are tired. I think Maribel also was pulling a lot of weight. That probably didn't help his uh, tiredness. Well, but yeah, I'm I mean, about, some guys can I'm just fight through it. Pra- remember, I pra- I, I'm talking about the practice room with Nick Maribel. Oh, yeah. I'm about everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew him very well. So he definitely gasped, but he was so tough, he just wrestled through it most of the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, thinking about the power, like what, what, what comes to mind for me, um, and, you know, our, our guy Chris Walker, we him and I shot a video. I'm kind of finishing up an article on it. But for me, one of the things that comes to mind is, like, Remember when he when he wrestled Zahid in Final X and they were in the uh, the like Steber Jo position and mm-hmm. uh, Dake chest wrapped not like chest wrapped for points but chest wrapped his way out and got his hips back and there was this yeah. look because you know I'm like across the mat there was this look on Zeke and Pendleton Zahid and we're like how all can, how right can what the he- like that? what the heck that that's <laughs> how could we have possibly trained for that? You know, uh, like because he was in great positions. He'd kept attacking, yeah. and I mean, he got that that really nice ankle pick to start. Was it to start the, the second period of the second match or the first period of the second match? Either way, I can't remember. So he obviously made adjustments, but that's kind of what comes to mind for me when you're like feeling that power for the first time. Even a guy like Chimizo, who is, um, you know, world, as, as JD said, world class with his hip pressure. I think that's going to be hard to to match. And also, look, Chimizo's coming up, right? Chimizo, Chimizo. Uh, I know a lot of people are getting mad at him because of you know because Italy thing because of the the Burroughs thing last year. But like, look, Chimizo stepped up to the challenge. He's bumping up in weight. He's the one giving up weight, or at least he's going to be. Smaller. He said uh, after training, he's about seventy eight kilos. Right, so, walk, walking around. So he's going to walk. He's going to step on the mat and basically weigh what he weighs. Yes, and Dake has to cut something. So I mean, hey, so we actually we never talked about this, Nomad, did we on the show? Uh, okay, I, I don't know if you were on this episode or not. Where we someone who went back and found it for us, Kozak. Um, Kozak went back and found. It. So Dake was three pounds underweight, but remember that was when they gave the two pound allowance. So it's seventy nine plus two minus three. That makes seventy eight kg. So he weighed in at seventy eight kg. Obviously, if he's three kilograms under, he's not cutting weight to be three kilograms under. That would be that would be utterly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> So he is. Dake, Dake knows how to cut his weight smarter than that. <laughs> you would think, right? That's a whole six and a half pounds under underweight, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So you know, he obviously is not that big. If he's weighing it that just like normally, he's not all that big. So I got to assume he's not cutting that much weight. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I just think I I think the power is and look that's a and, and that's a really simplistic also approach right i mean power can be applied in so many ways in, in a wrestling match but yes. you know when i look at dake and you look at chest wrap you know mat return when you get to rear standing um you know body lock which i think is a position that favors dake in this matchup um that's yes. where i kind of think the, the the power comes in 
But we have seen Shimizu do some otherworldly things. And I think also the parterre, and I think I've mentioned this before, but the parterre also interests me because I feel like Shimizu scores a lot more from lace parterre defense than gut parterre defense. Lace parterre defense. And I don't know. I yes. feel like he steps yeah. over a decent amount of guts. You're right. And and Mike Mouth did a really good Maybe breakdown called Dake is gut-minded. from laces, but scoring off of from a parterre, bottom mm-hmm. parterre, I would mm-hmm. say gut. Well, now we, mm. have, now we got to do an analysis. Do the research. Because now, oh, now John Kozak. <laughs> no, just have Seriously. us like well, John could do it if you wanted. But we, we, could, we could do that article. I think that would be a really interesting article to do prior to it. Um, because you you could take – I mean, Chimiza wrestles a bunch and basically all of it's online. And we have most of the Dake matches online too. So we'd be able to find that pretty pretty easily. Like what's Dake's yeah. gut – I mean, I think Mike did it. Like he's averaging 1.2 guts per match of the last two world championships. That's elite, man. One, one, right. Wait, one point two guts per match. So we're talking two point. Was it two point four points per match? Yeah, per match, something like, something like that. That's pretty. All, I mean, because then you think obviously, if one match doesn't get one, then another match has got four point eight points. That's a lot of damn points from from gut wrenching people. It yes. would be. In, I don't know. I didn't read the article Mike did or video, but to see how many of those are off transition right away mm. from a takedown versus. Guys flat, prime up, get your gut. Right. So for that, you think of, and this he he was doing worlds, so I'd have to, I, I can't recall the worlds matches as well, but domestically, you think about match two against Ringer last year, comes up on the body lock, mm-hmm. Ringer tries to headlock him, comes down into the into the turn. Uh, second one being 2017 trials, gets Isaiah up, power bombs him, goes right into the into the the trap mm-hmm. arm. Um, the three matches you and I were watching last night where Dake comes out right away and scores against uh, Lopez Ascui to beat the streets, Demirtas. against Demirtas at Mateo, and against David Taylor at 2015 Senior Nationals. So, yeah, it's not just parterre. It's parterre from neutral, which, I mean, mm-hmm. that that's pretty scary time to uh, for those guys to try to stop. Yeah. Hey, so back, back to your original question, which kind of spawned all this discussion, is – uh, who is going to benefit more from it being the first time they wrestle each other? And, you know, I, I really feel like I kind of feel similarly about both of them, meaning that they're both really unique and they would both, I feel, be hard to wrestle the first time. And even if you can watch something on tape, it's not the same as feeling, whether it's the power of Kyle Dake or whether it's the slickness of Frank Chimiso, it's just not the same, right? And watching it on Film and then seeing it, you know, feeling it, seeing That's it. That's part person. of the hard to emulate argument. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no one I don't really feel, you don't get a feel unless you wrestle them. Yeah, I, I don't feel like there's uh, an advantage one way or, or the other. I, I've one last one last question about this before we move on, um, and this doesn't really apply to this. This more applies to tournament setting, but. Obviously, I totally agree. It's different feeling them and watching them on film. But within that, there's also a difference between watching a guy on film and watching them live, like Matt's side. If you're like if your match mm-hmm. ends and the next guy you're wrestling is up, would you prefer to stay and watch them? This is you personally, nah. Ben. Would you prefer to stay and watch them or go do your thing? Yeah, go go do my thing. Yeah, do your every yeah pull down whatever and stretch and do your next. Yeah, match. I mean, you think well, obviously this. So this is me as a. As a high-level athlete, I'm probably, again, like NCAA championships, U.S. or whatever. I'm already going to know kind of, again, who I'm wrestling in the mm-hmm. finals and what their strengths weaknesses are. Um, if you're at some random kids tournament or whatever, uh, I would actually tell I, – I don't really 
okay, this is going to sound strange, but I kind of like kids not knowing what other kids do. So they have to figure out how to adapt within matches, right? That's, that's a huge strength. So it's like, I don't want to know exactly what they do. I want to have, I want kids to have to feel it and figure it out on the fly almost. Sure. And that's also like a development thing versus a high, you know, when, when you're at the level that I was asking about, like a college or senior level, there's like, you're trying to win versus the level you're talking about where you're trying to get the kids to be familiar with the position. So two, two different, two different things also, but yeah, that, that's definitely valuable getting kids to, to be like, Hey, you got to figure it out. You got, you got to feel this and I'll help coach you through it, but it's your job. Yeah. Um, so did you actually watch the matches from this weekend, Ben? Because you hadn't. I did. I watched them last last night. I watched them. Uh, I watched the main three. So I watched Pledger Lugo, um, Ashnault. I'm sorry, Ashnault. Where are they Ashnault from? Oliver Nolf and uh, Downey and Rao. And uh, hey, listen, there was, I guess there's no way in because Lugo, Lugo and Pledger were looking large, amigos. <laughs> Lugo looked much larger. Pletcher did not look skinny though. He, he was looking pretty thick. <laughs> yeah, but Lugo, I I mean, I thought Lugo had. I mean, I don't know because there's no weights, but I thought Lugo had ten pounds on him, easy. I I could see that, but I don't think Pletcher was anywhere close to 141 pounds. It would be interesting. Cool. I don't know if they even stepped on a scale to see those numbers if they did. Yeah, that. Yeah, that mm-hmm. But that would but, be very interesting. What what I saw from Lugo was a lot of what I saw this year from him. Where I thought his scrambling, his reattacks were so crisp. Mm-hmm. I thought the timing. Yes, and and that's how, that's yeah. what I think the difference was for Lugo this year as opposed to last year, where a lot of people were saying, a lot of people, you know, and like CP made this point a lot, right? Iowa's variability is what could hurt them at at NCAA's. And I said, okay, sure, there's definitely some guys with, that that you know the results would this suggest variability, different. but this year's Lugo. Was the same yeah. guy that we saw? I thought the Lugo we saw from November to March was the same guy that we saw on Sunday. Yes, I, I agree. You know, one of the things that I think really hurt Pletcher. Pletcher did such a good job this year of moving people with his setups. He was and not was able to a, do that against Lugo. He, he didn't move him at all, right? And that was what led to both. He, he had good reattacks during the season. And then obviously good, his own good attacks. He wasn't able to move Lugo at all because he wasn't able to move Lugo at all. He just didn't find any any good attacks right he barely, i i i don't think he got any did he get in on any good attacks at all i don't <clears throat> i don't remember him getting in on on many any i know that done? well i know that lugo so they they um if you remember when when pletcher wrestled chad red who's number one right and they kind of got they both had the leg up position and yeah who's number one they were there for like 15 20 seconds and that one or and the, the one on sunday lugo got out quickly and chased him down. I probably thought, I th- probably thought Pletcher should have been given a caution and won there because I thought he kind of dove out as Lugo was chasing him down. But yeah. that was really the only time, and Lugo clearly won the position. He had to extend it a little yeah. bit, but he won it, you know, within five or ten seconds. Yeah, you, you know what? You know what Lugo uses that totally went away, and I'm very curious to see if it actually comes back. Is that like the head and hole for the front block? Mm-hmm. Like that? That kind of went away totally. Like I haven't seen that in. 10 years used very frequently. It'll be interesting to see if that comes back because he did, he did it really well. Yeah. Great uh, throw by too. So I'm curious to see, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm curious to see him on senior level and I don't, we'll, we'll see what happens with Olympic trials. If they have another qualifier, or not if they're just going to go with the guys they have. Um, but then moving forward, you know, 2022, I think 70 kilos for him would be tremendously interesting. And he has, I mean, he has a pretty good pedigree. What's up, Ben? 
You did these other? Did you send them not going down? Sixty-five. I mean, I'm sure if 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 there's another way for him to qualify, he'll go down. But if they decide to just go with Olympic trials the way they are, there are no more qualifiers. 70. Lugo Lugo's not in. Mm, you're right. Yeah. That's what I mean. Okay. Last chance. Yeah, yeah. They have last chance. They or they're going to right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So then if there's a last chance, I imagine Lugo will will try to go down. Um, but otherwise. Just kind of thinking forward for him, I would yeah. really like to see him at 70 kilos. His freestyle results are pretty solid. Where 2017, he made the trials, the junior trials finals opposite Deacon. He lost partially because his ankle got ripped up. Um, and then, you know, the I think he only went to Fargo once and he got like third. So, or mm-hmm. maybe it's fifth. But he, he, so his limited freestyle experience suggests very good. The way he wrestles, folk style suggests very good because he's hard to score on and he can score without touching legs. Um, and then Pletcher, you know, Pletcher's got limited freestyle experience, but has also had a, a good level of success. So I think both those guys are, are, um, pretty interesting. Downey Rao was funny because, well, I was worried when it got to eight, they were just going to stop it because Greco and freestyle have different tech rules. Yes. And then he but they got to it. I mean, cause they said, well, they said there's no technical fall, right? I mean, that was what the broadcaster said. I didn't hear about, yeah. I, I don't like, I don't. I don't like no, I don't like like gimmick things, right? I don't like no tech fall. I don't like no weigh ins. I didn't like the the, <laughs> the DT. I know I know people wanted it, right? Where like D, like DT uh, wanted Downey, you know, no techs, four minute periods. I don't. I, I think just like you just go with the rule set that that there is and with with weigh ins and everything. But 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 sure. if both guys agree to it as adults, like as men, they sign contracts and. Obviously it's I would love to see one where, where they uh, signed a contract and it was a battle to the death, and you couldn't win unless you pin, unless you pinned them. You had to pin them. Listen, once I get new, once I get new hip, I'm in for that. BJJ style, submission no. only. Oh, yeah, yeah, submission only. We'll go an hour. We got to pin each other. That would be so, that would be so much fun. So some guy just gets yeah. too tired where he just rolls over onto his back. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he got you got to break him. Um, but yeah, so the the the, the route. Sorry, we got totally off topic. That'll happen. Um, the the Rao Dowdy match, um, Greco for obviously, but they're switching styles. I think it makes sense that there's no techno med because say if it's freestyle first and Downey hits a leg lace and scores 11 points, and then Rao's able to come back and score a whole bunch of points on top and Greco. I mean, you can see how it would be. Uh, you know, you have to let the other person get their chance. Yeah, I hear that. I just I don't. I don't like hybrid rule sets. Like when Nicky okay. Rod wrestled Downey, you know, when I mean guys have wanted to wrestle freestyle Greco and Arthur. I just don't like that. I think you just you pick one. You you just go that discipline. You go that rule set. I don't like when rule sets cross over. I like when we do it, I yeah. don't like when other people do it. I didn't like the old FPL rules that were half folk style, half freestyle. I'm gonna put that one on you. That was that was, that was a great rule set. Best rule set ever invented, potentially. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't I mean I don't know th- what takeaways there are from J.O. Nolf other than J.O. looks like a 74 kilo. He was big, huh? He looked very big. Not going back down. I don't think he's wrestling 65 <laughs> again. That's a long ways away for him. I mean, right? Not 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 time-wise. I mean, literally size-wise. It's a long, uh, long ways down from wherever he's at to 65 kg. I hear that, but this is a guy that for Olympic trials in 2012 went up the day of, the day of weigh-ins from 60 to 66. This is a guy who went up two weight classes from 33 to 49 and didn't miss a beat, didn't give up a takedown, 
went undefeated, won a national title. Um, obviously, he had a great deal of success at 65, but he's 30 years old. And if his body is just big now, and it it's going to help him. I mean, look, that's a tough weight cut for him. That's a tough weight cut for him. And if it helps him oh, be a better wrestler, I understand that's a tougher weight, Ben. But, like, wait, there's also wait, work that's good for your body. But, okay, well, listen, if he's just going to go up to 74, he should probably just go fight MMA or go coach or something, something to that effect. I Okay, maybe, but he's going to throw his hat in the ring because he's a competitor. Well, I mean, but uh, how long when you use that excuse to your 40? I mean, if, if you're not really trying to make the team and you're 31 years old, go coach or go fight or go do something else where you can uh, – <laughs> But I think uh, he's going to try to make the team though, Ben. But come on, dude. He ain't beating Burroughs or Dake. Well, I mean, yeah. no, no, for as great as Nolf is, Nolf is at best number four right now. Yeah, Think I wouldn't favor that. either of those guys at 74 that. at the Olympic trials. They're both big for but, 65, yeah. but small well, for 74. Well, definitely ain't going 65. No. Yeah, Nolf could never make 65. But I'm saying he they're made... about the same weight right, right now. Right now, around, yes. right now, they look to be yeah. the same weight. And Jay yeah. even said as much on, um, on Bash Justin Bosch's podcast. Yeah. He said he said we're like a couple pounds apart in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I, but I just, yeah, I don't get it. He's not he's not making the team at seventy four. If, if you want to, you know, if he doesn't really want to make sixty five, make a commitment. Which listen, I don't blame him. I'm sure he's gonna be a great coach. Go be a great coach. Go fight MMA. He's talked about that before. Go do other things. I mean, yeah, I I, I don't know. I'll be ben, done on that topic. Ben, a little pressure ma- on. Go ahead. Uh, but the match is terrible. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't entertaining, and that's why. That's why Nolf, or uh, him and Nolf were like, "Yeah, we need to do that again." That was. That was not satisfactory. Did you? Why would they do it again? I'm not watching again. <laughs> that's what they want. That's what they want. I hear I, you. I hear you as a fan, like as a consumer, being like, well, "I don't yeah. want to watch that again." But yeah. they both came out of that like, "Nah, that kind of J- J- stunk." Jason Nolf is literally one of my favorite college wrestlers of all time, but that match is boring as could be. Do you I mean, think literally- he was 100? percent LT? Who? Which one? Nolf. Nolf. I mean, it looked like it. Yeah, he didn't look. The only he didn't look like he was favoring anything. He just wasn't super offensive. So he got hurt for context. For those that may not know, he got hurt at Bill Farrell pretty badly. Like couldn't walk yeah. that night and wrestled at Pan Am's, the Pan Am Championships, the week before the Pan Am qualifier. So that was early March. So this is his second competition uh, this year, and he is, let's see, November. He's eight months off the injury, um, yeah. which doesn't mean you're 100%, but, like, he has had time to get healed up. Train hard. Yeah. Um, but that, that was one of the things I wanted to look at, too. Like, was he, was he healthy? I don't necessarily know that injuries are what was holding him back in that match. I think it was just, you know. Yeah. No, bad, I bad personally side. don't he, think he, so. He, he he didn't want to force a bad shot, and Jo was keeping space. He does with the the shoulder push thing. Um, yeah, but I don't. There wasn't one scramble, was there? I'm not forgetting one. No, there wasn't one. Uh, there wasn't even one. I mean, obviously at the very very end there was that two point thing, but it was like what was your was favorite really just... shot clock point, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Oh that's, man, that's rough, man. Like you got to really. And and look, I, they've they've been off a while, so I mean, you're 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 grading them on a curve, and they, those guys yeah. have obviously put up a ton of points. I mean, last time we saw Jo wrestle, he put up fifty zero on everybody. Last time we saw Nolf wrestle, you know, he was putting up a ton of points. Um, but like, 
refs hate going three shot clocks in a match. They definitely hate going three shot clocks in a match in an exhibition. Well, they got to do it. You know, they're yeah. there to they're there to like initiate points. They're like, all right, come on, guys, we got to do something here. So, yeah, yeah, um, not not a good not a good look at all for the for the main event. Um, and I, I don't know that anyone would be paying those two to wrestle each other against each other ever again. <laughs> if the, I would watch them run it back. Why? They said, you know. You're, you're like that guy who the girlfriend did something mean to him and you give her just keep giving her more chances, <laughs> aren't you? Jeez. One more, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, so. Okay, there we go. That's fair. Well, so, so you just can't get fooled again. So you would not watch that match again if it were July 25th on Dick Chimizo or any time no. going forward. No, if if for some reason it's really exciting afterwards, I always I could go back and watch the replay, but I will not. I would not watch it live. No. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a great time to do a little little spot for our sponsor here, RX Sports. Hey, uh, this show is it. brought to you by RX Sports, the official CBD partner of Flow Sports. JD, do you have any with you? We need to re up. We need, Not we need on to, me. Yeah, we need to get back. Need, Out of my desk. We got a box of uh, excellent stuff. The all-natural, highly concentrated CBD product, perfect for all your training recovery needs. Visit rxsportsinc.com slash flowsports for an automatic 20% discount off your entire order to fire your pain with RX Sports. That is one-fifth off your order for those of you that can't do math. Um, and, yeah, we all use RX Sports here. Did 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 CP send you any, Ben? Uh, no, I know. I do not have any at all. All right. Well, we need to get how, you some. How rude. How rude! He'll give you the he'll give you the link to watch We Are, but not the seriously the healing power of, of RX Sports. So thank you to RX Sports for sponsoring FRL, the second greatest show on the internet. JD Raider and I are on the greatest show on the internet, which is who's number one on the show. Although Young James Dean will not be on this week because he'll be traveling back to well, can we say where you're traveling back to five one five, baby? Okay, well they often say where I'm going, and I don't <laughs> like it, so I wanted to make sure to give you no, the option. No chorus for me. Yeah. JD's got an apartment. It's very nice. But he doesn't have a washer and dryer. He was over my house last night doing his laundry. It's true. So he's going to, you're going to Iowa to get a washer and dryer or what? <laughs> no, because it's the fourth. Gonna get out on okay. a boat. He's going back over to his family. Got it. Because I because uh what's what's more American, JD? Iowa or Texas? Ooh, Iowa, because Texas is more Texas. Yeah, Texas is more like, about Texas. Yes, and wants to be its Texas own state. Love being from Texas. <laughs> Texas is just about Texas, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yes. If Texas had its own currency, it would absolutely secede and just be its own thing. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the Federal Reserve is a non-government-owned entity, so the, the Texas. Why did you bring up money? Up Why Texas? I know I screwed Texas. that up. <laughs> Texas could just make their own bank and you know print their own money. It's uh, you know it's fiat currency. It's whatever. Yeah. All right. Before we get into the uh, our next topic, because we're going to be shifting away from from kind of live wrestling, let's re- let's uh, real quick, Tyler, run that clip, the promo uh, for Dake Chimizo that they put up yesterday. The uh, where Chimizo said, uh, "Dake, you're scared of me." And remember, that's July 25th in Austin, Texas. Everybody know you got that. I know who you are. Who you represent. You scare me. You guys scare me. Absolutely, 100%. I know you guys scare me.
Kyle Dake, Frank Chimizo, July 25th. Chimizo bumping up from 74 kilos to wrestle a two-time defending world champion. 79 kilos also on the card. DT versus Pat Downey at 86 kilos. And Anthony Ashton versus Luke Pletcher at 67 kilos. And there's probably going to be no fans, so watch live on flow. Uh, ben, there's more stuff coming out about COVID really affecting college wrestling financially. Um, yeah. Yesterday, yeah. Iowa announced their fiscal year budget for 2021. And Tom Brands is going to get a 15% uh, pay cut from what his base salary would have been. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Yeah. Now, yeah. he did just get It's going to happen everywhere. Yeah. Um, he did just get a big raise. He got a contract extension. So he'll be making more. He'll still be Quite making more, more next year. But it's 15% down. And I think that's good, right? I think that's. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's, I don't think it's good that Coach Brands is getting less money. I think it's good that. The coaches are willing to take a kind of decrease. do their part here because you know in a lot of states, these coaches, especially the basketball and football coaches, are like the highest paid state employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. And yet, college athletes can't make a dime, but their college coaches can make a whole bunch of money. Yeah, so I think it's I think <laughs> in, in that way it's good that the the, the coaches are um, the the coaches are kind of bearing the brunt of that I mean, a little bit. But no, man, don't we have bigger problems? If football doesn't happen, um, man, college athletic departments as a whole are, are in a whole lot of trouble. Um, we are obviously experiencing a spike in the number of cases while, while, while the hospitalizations death, to my knowledge, are not going up uh, at nearly the rate. But we are now only, what, two months away from football season? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think people have to be kind of cognizant that we are getting mm-hmm. close and if We'll see. Every day, I feel like you see a new team, Texas Tech, 23 cases on the football team. Another day, it's this team. They had 14 to 30 positive tests on the team. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, but don't you guys think that, don't you guys think that's more of an indication that, that Corona is not as dangerous as initially led on to be? Because, and and I've been hearing this out of Missouri and I've, I've heard it out of Wisconsin that, you know, the athletes are being asked to take tests to come back at all, whether they feel sick or not, right? And a lot of them don't yeah. feel sick. They're totally, completely asymptomatic. And they're testing positive, but they would have never gotten tested, right, unless they had to to, to participate in sport. And so you're, what you're seeing is a whole bunch of positive tests uh, where they're asymptomatic. So I, I almost feel like that's not problematic, and that should reassure people that, hey, this thing is probably way more widespread than was initially thought. And it's probably not as dangerous as initially thought. Well, I think I think it's definitely good to I think it's definitely good to have as many people test as possible, so we have an idea of what what you know. So there's Real a couple numbers. things, right? So there's a couple things, right? There's like, okay, what is recovery rate? What is recovery rate for this? You know, certain subpopulations of people, age, you know, high levels of um, immunocomp being immunocompromised, things like that, right? To have a better idea of what buckets to put people in. Um, I also think it's it's good to know. I, I know uh, Spade was putting something. You know, there's the um, antibodies, there's the T cells that he that they were talking about yesterday. So there's a lot of different information, and I think just by testing people and getting more information, they'll be closer to actually being able to figure out what is safe, how close a potential vaccine is, and Okay, if we can we have sports? What and what do they need to look yeah. like? So I'm perfectly fine with with everybody getting tested, so there's more information available. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm actually getting uh, 
My my wife uh, was getting her blood drawn, and I guess they test you for antibodies just for free. And so I decided to give blood and get my antibody tested for body, uh, antibodies tested for free. So I'm doing that tomorrow. So I guess we'll find out if I had Corona at some point in the past. And I think I think I'm around enough people where I think it's decently possible that I had it at some point in time and was asymptomatic because you know I got that I got that Neanderthal DNA, so I just don't get sick. You do have like that I haven't been sick. DNA. I haven't been sick in like a decade. You better knock on wood. <laughs> you just asking for trouble. There's regression to the mean, brother. Dude, I've been thinking. I, I, listen, I'm not going to not be a caveman, uh, Nomad. I'm a caveman for life, so I'm just not going to get sick. How about that? <laughs> what do I do when I start feeling sick? I stop feeling sick and start feeling awesome. Ben Askren. <laughs> That's a great quote. I might I might try to start using that one. Yeah. But How seriously, about- my, my wife will like get the flu and be down for like two days. And I'll have my stomach feel kind of funny for like 12 minutes, and then that's it. <laughs> or or unless you get uh, unnecessarily poisoned like you were talking about last week. Well, I didn't even feel sick. I, I You know, besides the CIA having mind control over me, I wasn't worried at all. I felt, I felt fantastic. Yeah, I'm kind of like you, Ben. I don't get sick too much. You know who does? Andrew Ooh. Spay. Oh, yeah. Spay has a low constitution. Also, happy belated birthday to Andrew Spencer Spay. Big Roo! Yesterday. <laughs> Turned 29. Turned 29 years old. Is that for real or is that you guys joking? What do you think? Well, I, you know, some people, uh, well, no, he wrestled Steve Mako. So he, and he was older than Steve Mako. Yeah, no way he's 29. <laughs> there you go, Ben. Way to use your deductive reasoning. Um, yep. You know, you know what else was funny about, because you just said the steel and lines thing. You said heavy Chevy like a, a week line. or two apart it's a great line but both times cp acted incredulous as though he'd never heard it before and i'm like cp ben just said that a week or two ago uh, so i stole that one from my college coach bart horton he he loved using the term heavy chevy and uh i, I think it's great terminology i think i think you know maybe we should rename the heavyweight class heavyweight weight class just the heavy chevys get it sponsored i love this <laughs> get it sponsored now we're talking <laughs> The winner gets a – maybe you got to put an escrow uh, or something, but the winner gets a Chevy. It's <laughs> wins for everybody, man. Everybody. Wins for everybody. You get, you get to show off the Love new it. thing. Um, hey, uh, Tyler, bring up that, that clip. Uh, this, so this was uh, Coach Jim Andresi on the Bader show, and this is this is another real effect of, of COVID of, you know, colleges having to go through budget cuts. I do want to say that, uh, you know – Kent State just came down with some pretty big cuts with our, our university and our wrestling program. We're going from ten scholarships to five scholarships this upcoming year, Ooh, and wow. uh, we're gonna we're gonna be starting some sort of campaign here shortly. This year, our scholarships are set. We're not gonna be able to do a whole lot with them. So I've had to cut some guy. Well, I've had to cut scholarships on almost on every guy on my team. Um, but for the future, I think we're gonna be able to fundraise the, the money. Um, so, so what's this? This is the 2021-22 season. We'll be able to fundraise that money back. At least that's what we're hoping. So that's a very tangible effect of COVID where a team Damn. that was fully funded, Coach Andres said they were at 9.9 getting sliced in half. That's huge. Yeah. Oof, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, guys, but this this uh, this could not be good for college athletics as a, as a whole, mm-hmm. as we're seeing. Yeah, and and it's very tough because, I mean, look, a lot of businesses, not every business, my cousin works for Zoom, they're doing well, Um, but a lot of businesses are going through it right now, and therefore a lot of individuals are going through it right now. 
Uh, Coach Andresi said there would be there would soon be a link up to contribute to them. Um, so whether you're a fan of Kent State or not, uh, you know if you have the means, please consider consider contributing. Their goal is to get you know five or ten dollars from ten thousand people and kind of whip the money up through through micro donations. Uh, I know CSUB has been putting a lot of stuff out right now. George Mason just had uh, a giving drive. So I know it's not easy right now. A lot of people are, are in very tough times. But if you have the means, please consider giving, even if you're not a fan of these college programs, because if you're a fan of you know Penn State or Iowa, Oklahoma State, you would much rather that you, Kent State exists and you guys can wrestle them and beat them than Kent State or, or CSUB or George Mason not exist. And, and, again, I don't think those programs are necessarily in trouble, but just – any budget cuts to those programs, you know, could have negative impacts. It's a hard time, going to be a hard time to fundraise too, because just extremely as a whole, you know, less people are going to be willing to donate. But even, you know, I had discussions with my alma mater, UNK, their camps are huge uh, Mm. revenue. Oh, get her for them during the summer. Are you you a Marty guy? (laughs) I, how old are you, JD? <laughs> I, I don't know him. I, I'm he's pre my time incarnate. Oh, okay. So you're not that old. No, I'm not that old. But uh, okay. they weren't able to. I have thought you might be games. a Marty. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, hey, I'll keep interrupting. I, I, I'm, I'm being. If hey, I I wish Marty Usman nothing but the best. And yes, he is known as Marty. In I don't. UNK wrestling. I wasn't program. lying. People thought people thought I was lying. Yeah, but go on about the camps because this is yeah. I mean, zero college programs could have camps. There's no. They can't even go other places to coach people. There are no content now because UNK doesn't have their camps on campus. Um, normally they could still have them and they have rescheduled them, but um, at the time they said you know when they were scheduled to occur. In June, they said, you know, no camps, but they have rescheduled. But those are a huge revenue for them in the program. And if you can't have your normal revenue streams, obviously you have to adjust. Well, that's 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 a way that a lot of wrestlers make money over the summer. Yeah, college yes. or senior level. That, that well, and then all, guys, also you got to think about the, just the colleges, right? I mean, if you're talking like, I mean, I'll just tell you my bills. Like last summer at UW Parkside, we had one funky fresh camp. I think I paid them $34,000 or something like that, right? And you got to think there's many, many other camps like that. So if you know, you multiply that by 50, that's that's a, you know, a million and a half bucks or something. Yeah. So spread over. I hadn't even really considered that. Um, but, yeah, spread over the entire visual landscape. And especially for the type of programs that I was mentioning, the loss of one camp, as you said, I mean – Thirty, forty thousand. That's what they're trying to make up for by these, you know, ten thousand people giving five dollars each. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, well, can we talk about something more, more happy? Well, okay, we can, we can talk about something. This is, this is freaking depressing. I'm not trying to be depressed this morning. All right, all right. Ben's Ben Ben's thinking happy thoughts, trying to bury his head in the sand. That's fine. Um, no, I mean, I already got depressed. We already talked about colleges. Yeah, we already talked about the depressing stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, w- along with that, the you know the the dead period has been extended through August thirty first. However, that has not stopped uh, you know schools from recruiting. And one of the schools that uh, has performed very well so far for the class of twenty twenty two is Penn, the Quakers. Uh, they have three guys committed right now from the class twenty twenty two. 
So you're looking at Evan Mugalian uh, from Kinelon, New Jersey, Andrew Trzinski from Del Barton, also in New Jersey, and Martin Cosgrove uh, from Camden Catholic. Uh, Mugalian right now looking like a lightweight. Trzinski looking like a, a middleweight, probably 57, 65, kind of. You know, he's got two more years left to high school, so we'll see how that goes. And then Cosgrove was the 195-pound Jersey State champ as a sophomore, so obviously you're thinking 197, 285 for him. Um, so obviously, yeah. you know, we can kind of talk about – those guys and their accomplishments and and things like that. But I wanted to kind of branch this discussion off a little bit, Ben, into, you know, all of the ramifications of that because part of why they have so many 2022 guys is this is the second year that uh, rising juniors can be contacted on June 15th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, man, but, they, yeah, for me it throws such a wrench in it that the, those guys, right, those sophomores going into the junior year, and even juniors going to seniors didn't didn't get to compete at all. You know, probably their state tournaments was the last thing they competed in. The college coaches have got to see none of them. No UWWs, no uh, folks down nationals, no Fargo, no no nothing. So for me, as a if I was a college recruiter, I would be super hesitant. You know, I would be calling some of these kids, but I, I wish I could have seen what they did this offseason. I, I would probably be calling as many people as possible. And these college coaches should have the proper amount of time because they can't coach practices or do they can't do anything else except call email people and then hopefully competition resumes this fall and then they can get their second you know they can get their eyes on these kids and then you know make a better decision on what they want to do with them yeah and i mean so as as far as those guys um trying to pull up the uh Weight class ranking. So Mugalian was uh, – he finished up number five at 106. And, again, these are all sophomores that are going into their uh, their junior year. Uh, Trzinski was runner-up in Jersey. We did not have him uh, in the in the top 20. Um, but these guys are, are all on the, the big board. And then Cosgrove, uh, number 17, finishing up the year at uh, Camden Catholic. Looking at Trzinski on the big board, he is 81. Cosgrove is 60, and Mugalian is number 22. So three big boarders within the first, I mean, two weeks good. of yeah. recruiting is Penn is RTC good. also doing well. Mm-hmm. Not just yeah. Penn. Penn RTC is crushing. I mean, they, yeah. they decide more people. They're than, really starting to reap anybody. the benefits of the sleigh higher. Yeah, because yeah. Slay had a connection with a lot of those people um, from his uh, time Slay at the OTC. Ke- correct, yes. And that was that's kind of, you know, McKenna, Mark Hall, that's kind of, I don't want to say what's led him, but that's that's assisted him in gathering these people at the Penn RTC. Mm-hmm. So you look at since, so McKenna joined October last year. Uh, David McFadden was in mid, mid-April. McFadden mm-hmm. in, you know, I mean, him and Joey McKenna are, Basically, best friends going back to their days training together at Buxton. Uh, ben Hannes. Oh, they are? I didn't oh, know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They are super tight. Like, I huh. bet I bet if they get married, they'll be in each other's weddings tight. Like, Really? Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super good friends. Um, ben Hannes signed April 20th. Mark Hall, June 12th, but with the caveat that he's got to finish up some classes at Penn State, so he'll be joining them um, in, yep. in January. So, you know – even with kind of guys filtering out of the Penn RTC, you know, going on to the next phase in their career, be it, be it coaching or, or whatever, um, even still they're backfilling beyond just, 
okay, two guys, you know, like BJ goes to Navy, uh, Chase Pammy goes and sets up his club in Nevada, um, but they backfilled even beyond that to where they, they signed, they lost two guys and they signed four, you know, and then I, I believe Valmont still, uh, still plans to compete through 2021 Olympic trials possibly beyond. So in, in this time of COVID, oh. PRTC is one of the few that are growing and everybody else is kind of in a holding pattern. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a great job. And it's pretty amazing that they have the funding, too. I don't, I don't know if it's like Penn State where they have one major donor or if they're, you know, just doing a, a great job of um, getting a whole bunch of people to, you know, to donate. Well, so funny you say that. Um, if you – the the Bader Show interview that uh, they did with Coach Slay, he said 35% of their donors are non-Penn, non-UPenn or Drexel alumni. 35% of donors are non-UPenn or Drexel alumni. Hmm. So yeah. he's doing a, he's doing a good job of getting out there and raising money because obviously that's one of the biggest things he, you know, he can do to, to – now how many guys they have? What, is it eight guys? Uh, in terms of senior level athletes you're saying? Yeah. Um, let me check. So the, the four I just mentioned, um, I believe that they are uh, – again, I, I believe Valmont still plans on continuing to compete and – uh, they're, they are not going to take Richard Perry off. Um, they're just not going to do that. Uh, Ethan Lezak also on there. And uh, Moro Carrenti, they have him at, at, at heavyweight. So, yeah, they got about eight guys on their roster, which that puts them – I mean, them and NJRTC are probably the two most populated. Yes. I mean, it's, and, and those aren't all that far apart. Yeah, I mean, it, they're doing a great job. So probably if we you, did we ever make a list of top RTCs or no? Uh, so Spay did it based purely off performance at I want to say the Open. Yeah. Um, and then it gets hard because he was only doing men's freestyle, and then a, you know a lot of those people have obviously since changed, uh, you know, changed their their RTC affiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, and and then also there's like. Jaden is kind of Ohio RTC. You know, kind of. Gwiz is kind of affiliated with Nittany Lion. So there's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they go back for it. What 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 do you think of when you think of RTC's been? Because another thing like from that, that Bader Show interview, Slay was pointing out because they asked him the question and he he said uh, you know, like I disagree with Ben that it's a charity. Right, I think if you have yeah. all these other things on, you know, because he's talking about beat the streets, Philly, and and helping the the, mm-hmm. the high school level and growing growing within the the community, that it goes beyond just a charity, which I thought was a really interesting point that he was making. So, how would you define success though for yeah. RTC Ben? Well, so okay, so I actually had uh, I went I did the Rudis podcast with Slay. We did one forty five minute episode, and we were still talking. So we said, okay, let's circle back next week. We did two two episodes back to back. And we we discussed my comments on that, and you know his uh, his argument was that obviously they can do a lot of good in the community, which I never said they couldn't. Right? Mm-hmm. The funding is just, and, I, and I, I guess I kind of retracted my statement because you know when I think of someone who makes money, right? You um, you go sell a bunch of tickets, right, or sell a bunch of subscriptions or pay per views, and that entity brings in money the entity that is making money and they pay out athletes or whatever. And essentially the RTC model, you're going to get people to donate 
And so that's kind of why I think of it as charity. But I guess, hey, if there's some wealthy people who want to donate their money because they think that's where their money is best being spent, then I right? I guess I don't have anything. I don't, I don't argue with that. Whatever. That's the way they want to spend their money. That, that, is, that is totally fine with me. And they see that as the best use of their money. And obviously, if these guys at the Pan DC are not only wrestling, but going to help the community, helping the college programs, um, yeah, I, I don't see an issue with it. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Having the, the dual college impact, um, obviously being affiliated, beat the streets Philly. So kind of like expanding their purview beyond just, we want to get senior yeah. at level athletes paid, or we want to get high level partners for the college guys. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, I would like our producer Tyler to pull up this clip from Roger Reina, because if you're kind of wondering how Slay got to Pennsylvania in the first place, he, he kind of touches on it here and kind of the impact on recruiting. So let's play this real quick. And then we'll get JD's thoughts. And then for our guys, you know, like for Brandon Slay to come from Amarillo, Texas, you know, to, to move to Philadelphia and come to the University of Pennsylvania, you know, a big part of his recruitment was that he could train with Schultz and Dolph and these wow. guys. Yeah. Um, and again, relating that to today's recruiting world and RTCs today, it's it's very similar, right? So what he's referring to there is that Dave Schultz was training 12 miles away on uh, yes. Foxcatcher Farm. Now, obviously, that was a little different, JD, because that was that was just kind of happenstance that they were there. Whereas Penn RTC is kind of spearheading putting this all together and keeping it right on campus. Yeah, I mean, yeah. any time you have a successful RTC tied to your program, it's going to be advantage for kids that have aspirations besides college wrestling. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on the the two hundred fifty mile radius thing? That um, because that that's something that Coach Slay kind of talks about a lot, right? He said, "Was it the when he first took the job? Like the twenty fifteen World Team, seven of those guys were within the two hundred fifty mile radius that could have come train at the Penn RTC if they were coming up." Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like huge advantage for like a guy like Gwiz who trains out of NC State, but you know can regularly go to Nittany Line Wrestling Club. <laughs> Well, no, you come from high school kids, right? Yeah, I'm talking about the, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the high school the high kids. School, yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that rule, Ben? Uh, well, I, I feel I so you know I guess I didn't even think much of it. My conversation with Coach Schley made me actually think more of it. Like guys in the um, in the, in the Midwest, 250 miles. Well, Texas, 250 miles gets you nowhere. Like you, you can't get anywhere 250 miles. Yep. Um, and, and in the Midwest. It's not going to get you all that close. You know, you're, you're going to cover most of Wisconsin, some of those Illinois, maybe hit a little bit of Iowa with your 250 miles. Dude, stuff is really, really, really close together on the East Coast. Like 250 miles, that is going to get you a long freaking way. That is going to get you to uh, most of from, – from Philly, a lot of Pennsylvania, all of New Jersey, a, a decent portion of the population of New York. Uh, it's going to get you south into some of the good spots there. And so, like, man, 250 miles in the East Coast, that gets you a long, long ways. Yeah, and some of the – I mean, some of the coaches kind of on the coast get upset with it because it's like, well, going east, my, my RTC radius is ocean. So my ocean, RTC yeah, radius yeah. Only, go, only goes west. Um, and then, you you know, you look at getting back to the, the three kids actually committed. Uh, I mean, Camden is very close. And then Del Barton and uh, Kinelon are also – you know, they're probably between 90 and two hours away, I guess, depending on traffic. Uh, so those guys are well within the the 250-mile radius. So it makes sense. Those guys have probably at some point gone to PRTC, maybe for Sunday practice or, um, you know, preparation for, for Fargo yeah. or something during the during the, uh, 
in spring so, in summer. So no man, you can you can get to Springfield, Massachusetts in 250 miles. And uh I mean, I I guess that's something until I talked to Slay, I didn't really even think much about the repercussions of how far that got you on the East Coast because of the population base. Mm-hmm. But um man, I feel like that is just such a huge advantage for those East Coasts where the population is much more dense compared to your either uh, Midwest and or West Coast folk. We've mm-hmm. talked about it a decent amount on who's number one the show. Yep. Not just its effects on the uh, different RTCs you can train at, but like in-state versus out-of-state recruiting as well. It's a little bit, you know, tuition yeah. aside, but it's a little bit different out-of-state recruiting when it's still only 50 miles away. Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can get you can get to Springfield, Massachusetts, and to Richmond, Virginia, from two hundred fifty miles from Philly. I mean, you're covering a very large swath, and if you think of all the different good pockets of wrestling within that within that radius, uh, man, that that's just such a huge advantage for them. I mean, you got all all of New Jersey, you got uh, a good portion of Philly slash Allentown, PA, you got all of Long Island in there. Um, you get Westchester of New York. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's huge for them. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the other thing for me, and this is, this has been going on, right? So this, this isn't exactly super new, but Ivy league softening their rules on announcing commitments. You know, when, when Chris Ayers first started at Princeton, their kids couldn't announce. It wasn't a thing, right? And that's why when you look at the when you look at the commitment yes. announcements for these kids, they say committed to the admissions process. So they're yes. still kind of they're still kind of hard on that, but the Ivy Leagues you're seeing them skill back and go, it's okay for these kids to announce on social media. And could that, you know, this this doesn't just apply to Penn. Could this could we see I mean Princeton's obviously their recruiting has gone up. There's no question about that. Um so could this kind of help the Ivy Leagues where Every other school gets to, you know, kid commits Penn State, Iowa, um, NC State. Like, they get to announce it, right? Steve-O got to announce it. Yes. The Ivy Leagues yes. didn't get to do that before. Yeah, yeah. Hey, sorry to kind of backtrack on this conversation. Um, man, I didn't realize, like, again, I refer to this conversation with Slay I had on the Rudis podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that the Foxcatcher was only 12 miles outside Philly, and I guess I don't know why I, I missed that. But, you know, he, he talked extensively about that, and that was pretty cool, and that was something that I, I don't know why I didn't, I didn't really think of or, or I didn't consider um, didn't consider all that much. But that's, I mean, for them, that's that was such an awesome resource, and it was really cool hearing Coach Slay talk about the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that's also something that when I when I was kind of coming up with topics for the week, that that point that like 12, 12 miles thing because Bray was on the mm-hmm. the debater show. Um, there's two separate ones: the one with Rain, the uh, one with Rain, and the one with Slay. They both mentioned that twelve miles thing. So that's just like it's just one of those details, right? That when you're pitching a kid, it's like twelve miles right down the road, twelve miles right, like super easy to get there. You'll have access mm-hmm. to, I mean, yep, the, one of the world's foremost technicians right like everybody revere still reveres dave schultz yeah still reveres him yeah absolutely and that was uh slay talked a lot about that in, the, in that podcast about how important that was for him yeah i've listened to that one because it sounds like there's a lot of good information there between uh those two so ben i wanted to get um i wanted to touch on 
So I have an idea for an article, and I have all the top 10 kids from the freshman class bought in. I don't like doing school lists necessarily for young guys, but I want to do this kind of recruiting profile. Um, so I want to know, I don't know if you want to get into those questions and what they mean, or if you want to get into questions from friends, cause we're down to the last like 25 minutes here. Um, I mean, so if we start talking about this recruiting profiles, uh, we can do this tomorrow. Get, <laughs> yeah. We're probably going to make questions. And so, yeah, I mean, I think maybe we should have questions and we should save the recruiting profiles. I feel like this recruiting profile thing, it could, you know, the, discussing all eight questions that you have could probably take almost, you know, almost the whole show. Okay. Yeah. So let's touch on that tomorrow. Then we'll get, uh, we'll get okay. to questions from friends. Uh, Tyler, we got them in the dock here. So this isn't a question. This is just this is just a, a hey, This is hilarious. This is hilarious. <laughs> From at JWMS underscore Grizz, sorry I'm late to the party. Quote, Ohio and Michigan, where they had a boundary dispute over Toledo. That history doesn't uh, record who won the war, but we have to assume Michigan did because nobody would fight to keep Toledo. That was former Notre Dame coach Lou Holtz that said that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Uh, that's a good quote. Yeah. Context, if you right. missed that episode, uh, well, several weeks back, they talked about uh, Michigan being cowards for not taking the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. No, Wisconsin. And then, Wisconsin. Or, yeah, Wisconsin being Wisconsin. cowards for not taking the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And then it got to the other end, talking about Toledo. And there is an apparently bloodless dispute, which is uh, – which is a, that, that's not really a, a war, in my opinion. This is one yes. we didn't get to yeah. from – uh, this is one we didn't get to from the last show, and I want my man JD to take the lead on this one. But uh, Cooper Wills at C Wills 2 from 2000 2010, three guys won three plus NCAA titles. From 2011 2020, which I guess I don't know how you count 20, but nine guys won three plus, not including Spencer Chenzo, who could have, so it could have been as high as 11. Uh, there are mm-hmm. more ways to get good young, but more guys are also separating from the pack. Why do you think that is? This tweet also doubles as trivia. JD, I want your thoughts on this before we get to bed. I think a lot of it has to do with the improvements and expansion of club wrestling. Um, RTCs are definitely helping. Like like we said, a lot of those guys on the East Coast that can get access to go train at colleges and with senior level guys at a young age. Plus, you know, the expansion of more guys wrestling age level world championships is huge. Um, yes. We see now all the best guys are wrestling UWW cadets and juniors from a young age so i think it's just guys having being exposed to more high level wrestling at a younger age also video you know what flow has done and just being able to watch more film and whatnot and watch more high level senior level athletes and their wrestling it's you're just seeing improvements as a whole from the entire sport and it's just trickled down to younger kids as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's good. So I, I think, well, number one with numbers this low, there's definitely a chance that it's just chance right, by chance coincidence, sure. right? There's obviously that. Um, but, but the other thing here is obviously in order to win three titles, you got to be really good, really young. I mean, it means you have to probably win one your freshman or sophomore year. Cause you're probably not going to, you know, if you're that good, you're probably, not going to lose, say, your senior year, although, although it is possible, right? Um, so if you're going to be that good young, yes, obviously the club system, RTCs, that contributes to you having the ability to win as a freshman or sophomore. Um, I think if you go, you know, the further you go back, the more improvement people did when they got to college because they did not have access to 
higher level coaching, uh, videos, technique, all, all of that type of stuff. So yeah, I think I think that's definitely a contributing factor. Yeah, the the I mean, the age level thing is the one for me. There was a guy that did the numbers for juniors, and it's like if you medal junior worlds, it's like sixty percent chance you'll be a national champion, like ninety five percent chance you'll be an all American, which obviously well, maps if you. When a junior well, yeah, maps because you're, you're twenty, you're right. Probably, right? And you're probably already almost already in college. But, but I would I would venture that the numbers aren't terribly far off for cadets once once we you got to allow for a little that more time that, for cadets because yeah, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, but and, and he also he also didn't even include uh, Zahid, who obviously couldn't wrestle in civilities, but Zahid started the year, and then Yanni also could have won his third had he not Olympic redshirt. So they, if, if all those things had happened, could have been 13. It could have went from three guys winning three titles in a decade to 13. That's a little bit more than a coincidence. Yeah. That's quadruple. Well but, the, well, but the other thing, guys, I mean, you have to would have to take an effect then is, okay, what about 2021 to 2030, which we're, we're not going to have the answer on for a decade, unfortunately. But it's like all of the things that have become commonplace now, the age-level world championships, the RTCs, and the club system are probably only going to grow, most likely, right? They're, I think they're all things that are going to grow in the, the course of the next 10 years. So will that 13 go to a bigger number, right? Or will, will it shrink? And if it does shrink, then how are you going to explain that away when you said the reason it went from three to nine or more is because of these things – and now these things get more. What if the number shrinks? Mm. Well, you see what I'm saying? I think, what, you don't think there's going to be 39 guys winning three titles between 2021 and 2030? Well, I mean, say it goes say it goes to 16, right? But what if it goes back down to seven? Well, I, I 100% think that's what's going to happen, and I think you've already started to see it. If you look at – so first of all, you had, like, some absolutely transcendent guys um, that came through. I mean, that 2017 yeah. class – Spencer Dake Yanni, or excuse me, Spencer Dake, Spencer Dayton Yanni. Obviously, Dayton Dake, has some, Dake, has Dake is ta- time traveling. No, Matt, he said he's getting younger. That's a good point. But like Spencer and Yanni being in the same class, like that, that's just hard to replicate. Um, but I think you're already starting to see it where there's a little more parity because instead of there being whatever 13 guys that can win three titles, that have the talent to win three titles, or maybe called 15 because there's probably a couple other guys in there, like Mark Hall, obviously Still. made made three finals. Yeah. The, Oh yeah, somebody said I need to call you the talentless Ben Askren. Um, I'm okay with that. But you're already starting to see more parity because there are now, say, 20 to 30 guys that have the skill. And so whereas there may have only been one Brayton Lee and one Sammy Sasso coming out at a time, you know, in the 2010 or in the the 11 to 20, they're now both at the same time knocking each other off. Plus you have the Lugo coming in, right? So I I think – I think the talent is going up, and so therefore the high-level talent is less likely is going to level off and go down because there's more guys picking at them. There's going to be fewer underfeed seasons. There's going to be fewer multiple-time yes. national champs in 21 to 30. Allah, I'm to are coming through meeting Jason Nolf his yes. last two years. Yes, yeah, exactly. Sure. And I think it's already mm-hmm. starting to happen, and you, you're, the, the parity, if you follow recruiting, 19, 20, 21, 22, you're already starting to see the parity there um, at the top. But there's also a bigger gap between – like. The top one percent is now the top two percent, but then there's a bigger gap from the two to the you know whatever three through twenty. Um, yes, I agree. <laughs> Andrew Spay in fifty years, this is 
Clearly for Ben Askren, I'm not going to field this one. What will be the most widely used application of blockchain technology? Uh, I think it's just it's a, it's a measure of value, right? It, it, it does a better job uh, at measuring people's value than anything else. And that's kind of what it, what it will be doing in uh, in the future. Which I I think fifty years who know fifty years is a long time, guys. There's probably mm-hmm. be something else by then, right? Fifty years is way way far away. Think fifty years back, right? Um, 1970. We're not dreaming of the internet. We're not dreaming of streaming video like this. We're not dreaming of email. We don't even have a conception of what that looks like in 1970. So, yeah, I would say more like 10 years off. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Eric, at a fan of tacos. This person may be from Austin, Uh-oh. Texas. Speculation time. If it turns out the NCAA pushes the start of the wrestling season to the second semester, do you ever see it going back to a two-semester sport? Also, what are the pro cons of it being a one semester sport? I think the first question is very difficult to answer. Um, as yeah, far you as need it being to see a trial run, yeah. As far as it being a one yes. semester sport, I I don't like it because I don't like it because um, I don't like that NCAA kind of dictates the senior level a lot more than vice versa. I think in every sport, the professional should kind of rule the roost, and everything should kind of follow down from there. Um, so the, the, the cons or at least something that needs to be adjusted is if wrestling goes to a one semester sport and they want a spring semester, they need to change the timeline of the USA wrestling calendar. Yeah. DNC but then, will if you never change, change the calendar based off of what USA wrestling does though. I know that. And that pisses me off. About USA wrestling. So, I understand that yeah. it's a hard ask. I think without the USA wrestling piece of it, we would all say that we just wish that wrestling was a second semester sport. I, th- I think it would be much better that way. But obviously, USA wrestling is probably not going to change because that would mean UWW would have to change. Um, and UWW doesn't give a damn about the NCAA. So I think that's a – yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, I disagree. What? They gave, UWW gave enough of a damn to change – the Pan Am qualifier from being the week of conferences to being the week in between conferences and NCAA's. Oh, really? Yes. So I well, I guess I mean if worlds are if we start moving worlds later, if worlds were in say October instead of August or September potentially, then you could hold the trials later. So if the trials were always saying like, which they did, they have been in the past at some points, but let's say late May. So you hold you hold your NCAs and mid early to mid april um and then you hold your trials in say late may that would be fine i think would be the open right because it would not be feasible to ask the wrestlers to go okay april 25th or april you know 17th is ncaa's and the u.s opens the next weekend yeah okay so you go you go trials mid what trials mid-may and then i'm sorry open mid-may and then trials early june or something right so yeah. again, Eric, I don't know if that answers your question as far as pros, pros and cons, but that's something that needs to—that's something that the wrestling ecosystem in America would have to address. Well, I'll tell you one pro. I think most NCAA wrestlers will tell you. I don't think you'll find any NCAA wrestler wants a longer season, but you'll find a oh, lot yeah, who want yeah. a shorter season. Yes, and that's when it moves true. to one semester sport, it's going to get you know chopped off by a month or whatever. Yes, I length. agree that that is a pro. Shorter season, fewer mm-hmm. weigh-ins. The, the one semester thing also, a big thing with the one semester thing is grades, right? Like yeah. guys are mm-hmm. all the time ineligible first semester because second semester. So the grades thing gets ironed out a lot yes. easier, um, and wrestling has enough problem as it is with 
graduation rate in APR, something we didn't even get to touch on yesterday when we were doing the grad transfer argument that yeah. another good thing is that if guys transfer as graduates, then those things don't get affected. Um, and so it just kind of changes things a little bit. So, um, yes, there are definitely pros to it being a one-semester sport, but, of course, like everything else, there are ramifications. Um, how much time do we have? Well, yeah, yeah I, 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 think, I think there's a lot of positives to the second semester thing. Uh, or, you know, the one semester thing, I guess you'd say. Um, and really the only negative is freestyle. That's it. Is there another negative that I'm missing? It's a big negative, though. That's, my, that's a huge negative for me, Ben. Plus, it is, it is, in fact, the only negative. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily the – here's the thing. There are known unknowns and there are unknown unknowns. There are unknown unknowns that, that, that are cons to this. Oh, stop. No, man. We got a lot of positives. We got one negative. I'll, I'll give you the negative is big, but it is still only one. I think there are more positives to it, but I think there there are potentially unforeseen consequences that we didn't that we have not considered yet. That's okay. what I mean. Fair enough. Yes. That's what I mean. Uh, Jacob Hughley at HMA Jacob. With there being obvious hype surrounding these wrestling cards, how likely is it that we see them becoming more common? Could we get to a place where we have a UFC-style wrestling league? Could Flow support opening a division for something like this? So, yes, there's a lot to unpack with all of this. But I would say one thing, in my opinion, the only way to do consistent cards like this is to have recurring revenue. Whether that's subscription based model or some, or some, you know, the it's way kind of subscription based model. It has to be subscription based model. And if you disagree with me, then you have absolutely no idea of how the NBA and the MLB and NFL work because they know what the revenue is years out. They know what the the salary cap they they have an or they have a rough idea of the salary cap well, years in advance. Okay, and, but, and but how the argument run. there. So okay, wait. So the argument there. Nomad, which is uh, – so I'll push back a little bit. The UFC obviously didn't have this um, totally in the beginning, right? So th- th- this portion of for sure revenue has became larger and larger. So initially they had the Spike TV deal. So they were in a small amount of you know, for sure revenue. They had the pay-per-views, which was a much larger share. And then obviously there's other ancillary, ancillary revenues, but those are the main ones. Then they go to the Fox deal, okay, mm-hmm. which means they have a bigger portion of – for sure revenue and then they have their pay-per-views which are kind of you know uh, now maybe more secondary but also a lot of revenue and then they transfer into the espn model which uh, i you know we don't know all the ins and outs of that deal but it is a much larger chunk of money up front for sure money um and then obviously they still probably keep some portion of the pay-per-views although all their pay-per-views are ran through espn plus so maybe they don't keep as large of a share of them so, you know, I could see, obviously, um, you know, in the beginning, right, it would be a larger portion of, uh, what do you call it, like a, a revenue that may go up or down that we're not sure. You know, it's based on right. how well the card does, like a pay-per-view. And then over the course of time, you, you get a more and more narrow, narrowly defined view of what the revenue is going to look like. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's that more right. a ticket way of saying what – yeah. But the recurring revenue is the important is the important thing. The other thing with this is the way the system is currently set up is very difficult to get athletes to consider wrestling in events that are outside of the world slash world team trials purview. Meaning if it's not yes. world championships, you know, or 
ranking series of Pan Ams, uh, World Team Trials, Final X US Open, is very difficult to get people to, to wrestle in those things because it kind of pulls them off that path. There's not much incentive yes. right now. And yes. that's that's another reason why the the recurring revenue subscription based model is is the way that you kind of have to look at it because the whoever supports this obviously flow being the one that has probably the greatest stake in this at this point um, whoever's supporting this kind of has to have an idea of what money is available to them so that they can say this this is our budget for the athletes and from there yeah. continue to grow it so that you know I mean the the point the point for the also the subscription base is to continue to grow it and so you know, okay the first card yeah. makes this much or you know at least doesn't lose much and so there's yeah. a plan going forward where after a certain amount of time this is the budget that we have and then you're just negotiating with the athletes within that budget uh yeah that, that's kind of I mean obviously I think this discussion is long and nuanced and it what it's a whole episode it's a whole episode it, it's a whole episode i you know i've done two pro leagues that failed twice i uh you know i've been in the mixed martial arts camp so i have a pretty damn good understanding of how it works and how the revenues uh are flow um and i think so i, I would say obviously flow is in a position that no wrestling entity has been before right and so flow when we did fpl which was 2014 um, is in a much better place than, than they were, right? Much different place. And so they are actually in a position where they can make the, the pro thing happen. Uh, if anyone else tried to make it happen, so first and foremost, you'd have to have an, a distribution outlet, right? Which would mean online or you pay, say, like, um, oh my gosh, RPW, Real Pro Wrestling. You know, they paid to put it, they paid to put it on TV because no one is begging for. Uh, a pro league on wrestling. So if, if some of you people don't know how this works that are listening, this is what, uh, what was the, what's the poker thing called? Uh, World Series. World Series of Poker, right? They paid to put their entity on TV initially. ESPN did not pay them in the beginning, right? And so unless uh, someone is very desired to be on TV, you will actually pay to be on TV, not be paid to be on TV. And wrestling so, you know, has wrestling, done this with college wrestling. We paid. This has happened. This yes, people have paid to put college wrestling yes. events on television. Okay, and so now, but now, right, the NCAA championships is a big enough deal where they are they are getting paid to be on TV. Um, yeah, talk about other yeah. Other so TV, you, yeah. you you got to have your distribution model set up, whether it's going to be an online. And so obviously, streaming everything is going towards streaming. Everything is going away from cable TV. So you know, people people who say, "Oh my God, it's got to be on TV or it doesn't count," you guys are idiots. You guys literally don't understand where business is going. Um, and, and where distribution is going. The distribution is going way more towards online streaming, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, or Flow, right? Um, all right, I, I'm going to be done because I, could just, I yeah. could just go on and on and on, and I feel like I'm going to take up the rest of the show on this topic. Yes, this, this, is a whole, this is a whole show, and there's a, there's a lot to unpack. Um, last point on this before we get to, to the next question. There's a difference between a league and a persistent set of cards. And what is more likely? Is what do you What do you mean by card. that? What do you mean by that? Oh, so like what you a league meaning a league, a league meaning teams or a format or you know like everything is tied so together would, as opposed would to would you consider the UFC a league or no? No, they have rankings. What? They do have rankings, but they sure. have belts and they have rank, They have belts, so I mean you have a ranking. You want to move up the ranking, and then you want to get the belt. Why wouldn't you consider them? Sure, a that's league? a good point. I would. So I would say, I guess there's so there's like. Um, there's a league, meaning there are teams. They compete for like 
their league meaning there's duels they compete for a championship at the end there's a league meaning yeah. there's the ufc which is a little more loosely structured as far as the the rankings okay. and the belts and, and how you become number one contender and how the the title matchups are set up and then there's just like cards good matchups good matchups good yeah. matchups yeah the so UFC, i think it's obviously not like, it's not like you have these guys your number three is always gonna wrestle your number six and then like like a bracket right. every sunday yeah, you have this right, yeah. yada 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 until that, you get your that's what i mean finals yeah yeah so i think obviously if you're going to start you're going to have a loosely based collection of cards but i think eventually if you're going to succeed as a wrestling promotion you need to have um some more meaning behind it which means you essentially become like i was a ufc type league where there is a champion at said weight class and people are vying for that belt because it brings them some type of monetary incentives to be the champion. Um, I, I think that's the only way it would ever work full time. And I know when I was trying earlier uh, in my other two attempts, it doesn't right. There's no value in the beginning, right? So when you start, when you start number one, it, there's nothing to say be the champion of that. There's there's no value to that. Whereas there's a lot of value tied to say being an NCAA champion, being a world champion, being an Olympic champion, mm-hmm. and it would take and probably in the beginning, right? UFC one. Well, there was a tournament, right? But there's not a whole lot of value in the beginning. And the more right. history you have with something, the more value there is to being a champion of said organization. Yeah. and th- yeah. So there's a lot that goes into this. And again, it could be a whole show, but um, those are kind of just some very surface-level thoughts because we could, we, could, we could go a whole week on this, honestly. Um, yeah. All right. Real Avery Lynch at Young Bull underscore Lynch. If you couldn't be teammates with guys that were teammates, who would be the nine guys joining you in a lineup from other colleges? So, like, and we'll see, close the show. So, I, could, I couldn't pick anyone from Missouri or what? You I'm couldn't pick, like, Chenzo and Hall. With. Oh, wait. Oh, that's so not you, how I read Wait. If you couldn't be teammates with I, guys yeah. that were teammates, meaning. Chenzo and Hall, oh, okay. uh, Sasso and Pletcher. Now, can, well, am I just trying to make the best team, or am I trying to make guys that I think I would get along with? Yeah, I think this, this is. I think. Of, I think this is a camaraderie buddy thing. Okay. Yeah, because this have was to a, think about it, man. But I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know everybody. So how am I gonna say it's probably like a bunch of dudes that I would like be best friends with, and I don't even know. I, I don't even really know them. I know this is your opinion. But there's so many people. I, I have no idea. I like. I literally have no opinion of what they are like personally. I might have an opinion of their wrestling skill set, but I just. I literally. I'm no man. I'm not like. I'm not like you. Where I've got to travel around and go to a lot of college wrestling tournaments. I mean, sure. I went to Midlands last year and uh, a few duels, and that that that's really it. You know, like I. I so I, I don't have a good idea of you know even say the top ten in every weight class. I don't really have a good idea of what each one of those people is like. So I feel like I would just. Sounding dope answering this question. Fine, I fine. I will I will try to attempt it based you on like, like, relationships Go. I've developed with guys. Twenty, uh, and we'll I'll decide which weight I'm at. No matter, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna save you, Nomad. People are gonna be pissed at you for answering this, so I would just not answer if I were you. Well, it's just <laughs> I. It, I'm not it's, saying people that, are here's what I mean. Don't here, do it. Don't do it, Nomad. Mean, Don't do it. Okay, fine. Yes. I won't say it because we're 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 down to the wire anyway. But if I picked someone. For this team, it isn't because and someone I think, else is gonna be mad I think, at you. I understand that, but it isn't because I think less of them. It's just because I have a relationship with that person that has developed. Doesn't mean I can't develop another okay. good relationship with the person I didn't pick. But I'm not gonna do it because we're out of time anyway. People are sensitive. People are sensitive. They are gonna get mad at you. So I was. I wouldn't do it if I were you. No man. No mad wants to nine Sebastian Rivera's. <laughs> no, no, Sebastian no. will be one. Sebastian will be one. I'm good. He wants with all him. the heat. 
No man wants all the heat from everyone who's going to be mad at him for not picking them. Yeah. So, all right, we'll call it a day then. We'll end on that. Um, there are several good questions that we didn't get to today, including another one, good one from Nick Kroninger. Make sure you watch Bader's show today. They have one uh, Sean Gray. It's his birthday. And then uh, Harry Turner from um, and, and JCU. We'll have one more episode of FRL this week. JD will be on it. Then he's going to fly back to Iowa. Ben didn't get his kicked off Facebook today as far as I know. Make sure you're watching oh, yeah. FRL 517 <laughs> tomorrow. FRL 517 tomorrow. Who's number one on the show later this week? Big Chimizo, July 25th. Don't miss it.